Welcome back to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that tells you everything the root description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. In this episode of the non-standard 14er podcast, we are chatting about the easternmost 14er, named in honor of explorer Zebulon Pike, who actually never got to the top of the mountain, and who penned in 1806 that the peak wouldn't be able to be climbed. In addition to having a 24-mile and 7,600 feet of elevation gain standard route. Pikes also has an incline that rises 2,000 feet in about nine-tenths of a mile that has become a popular hiking challenge. The incline was first constructed in 1907 and has 2,744 steps from the bottom at 6,600 feet of elevation to the top. Pikes just has way too much history to fit into one podcast. We could talk about the bar camp, bar trail, or how Kathy Lee Bates was inspired by the view from Pikes when she composed America the Beautiful. This podcast would just scratch the surface of Pikes, and I expect a second episode of The Mountain in the future. In preparation for this podcast, I headed down to Manitou Springs to run the incline for the first time before I met Warg in the shadow of Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs to chat about some of the crazy records on the Manitou incline that sits on Pikes Peak's east side. So I was reading the Wikipedia page in preparation for this podcast, and I was reading the Manitou Incline Wikipedia page. I went to history, and then I was looking through, and I was walking through, and I'm like, hey, that's Wade. That's Wade's name. Wade's name. Either you edit it yourself on Wikipedia, or you might be some, obviously someone's famous around the Manitou Incline. It's kind of a fun thing. In fact, uh, after my name got on there, I've got a childhood friend that I grew up with. He lives in, in England now, and uh, he messaged me one day. And he's like, hey, I found your name on the Manitou Incline page. So it's kind of fun. It makes some conversations. But yeah, there's a whole story behind that. Um, I've been doing the incline for a long time now. And one thing led to another. And um, yeah, man, I don't even know where to start. I have yeah, what so is much... the incline? Start, start with that. That's, that's a good place to start. Manitou Incline. It's roughly 2,000 feet of elevation gain in one mile of distance. So you can Google it and you can find all the statistics about the angles and all that kind of stuff. But uh, needless to say, it's steep. It was originally a cable car system that was helping to construct a water tower up on top of there. Um, that, that was the original reason it was built. And so it, it took supplies and it took things up there to get that water tower built. Um, they got the water tower done. And at some point, somebody had the genius idea, let's turn this into a tourist type thing. And so they put a, a, you know, a tourist car on, on the cable and they pulled tourists up and down the mountain for years. And I'm forgetting my history. Somewhere in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a lot of rain and a water. I think it was 1990. I looked that up. And then washed it out. 90 it washed out. Wow. I think it was 1990. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There might have been two. I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank there because it was closed a long time before 1990, and 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 nobody used it at all. Like the occasional person said, "Hey, there's a cool hike," but hardly nobody used it at all. So in the 90s, yeah, water washed out some of the tracks, and they took the rails out and they left the ties there. And it was just kind of abandoned, just like nobody did anything with it. Until people started realizing, hey, this is a kind of a cool hike, and start people started hiking it. Um, back in the day, it was like just volunteers just like maintained it and helped with the erosion issues and stuff like that. Then this thing called social media happened. And I kid you not, <laughs> in the last four years, the usage of that thing has just skyrocketed. So uh, I don't know, about four or five years ago, they started raising money for repairs and over the course of about five or six years they did the repairs in three different sections and so and now it's it's a 
you know, it's still steep and it's a hard workout, but at least it's relatively safe. There's not rebar poking up every place and uh, all that nonsense. So, uh, yeah, a crazy hike, kind of a one-of-a-kind deal. Um, kind of feel blessed to live right here with that in my backyard. Um, they're, they're literally, they're, there's nothing like it. I mean, 2,000 feet of elevation gain, I, you know, I double that, and, and that's more than a 14er hike oftentimes. In less than a mile. In, in less than a mile. Well, that would be if you double it, that would be two miles of elevation gain for 4,000 feet. Of, but 2,000 feet is less than, what, 0. 0.8? Point nine miles, basically. Point nine miles, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. So yeah, it, it, and you're outside and sunshine and fresh air. It, it's awesome. And it starts right at the same trailhead as the bar bar trail to the top top of Pikes Peak. Not literally. It's the same parking spot. Um, okay. Uh, it, the, the actual bar trail trailhead is a tenth of a mile around the hill, and there's a, a little tiny parking lot for that. And um, but yeah, most people park at the use the Cog Railway parking spaces and it's all pay or unless you park in Manitou and ride the shuttle which is a doable uh, it's all a hassle now so many people it just a lot of frustrations and it not it's not like it was but it's still a good time like so. four years ago because yeah. I talked to a guy that said he did it every week because he used to pay two dollars and drive right up there and do it now mm-hmm. you got to take the shuttle and it's mm-hmm. an extra hassle and he yep. only does it once a month now because yep. it's too popular yep you, the guys that do the well, I, I take it back. Most of the guys that do the big numbers pay for an annual pass at the Iron Spring Chateau. I don't even know what it is these days. Five hundred dollars, uh, and then they park there. Because it's ten bucks at ten bucks for the incline parking. I saw a sign. Um, I think the Iron Springs was back down to five, but they might be going back up to ten for the summer. So it, it depends. Five dollars, ten dollars. Uh, yeah, that adds up a lot. And if you do it every day, most people. I, I've got some secret parking spots out there. So <laughs> I, I hoof it for about half a mile one way. And uh, park for free and park for free. I see. I parked at the very lowest part, the high wa- is it high yeah. Yep. yeah, and then just took the shuttle, mm-hmm. which was it timed it well. I only waited five minutes or so. Perfect. Uh, so you blame social media? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I did that in two thousand. So I did Pikes. I had to go back. I did Pikes in two thousand eleven, back when you could park for free there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, drove over here on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. got there at ten p.m., slept in the Jeep, mm. got up at four a.m., and then did Pikes from. I left at 4:20, which I thought was funny because yeah. Colorado, like, <laughs> and got back at 7:20. Okay. So it's at 15. So it took me 15 hours to do it. What did it take? What's it take you? Well, a lot the, whole, of, the whole Pikes Peak, not yeah. just an incline. A lot of variables in that. Uh, I did it in April, so I've been dealing with this foot issue—a bruised ball of my foot type thing—and um, so I've been off of it for a month and a half. But I've been doing Pikes Peak once a month, and so I had to get Pikes Peak in. So uh, towards the end of April. I got it in. I wore hiking boots this time, which I never wear. I always wear running shoes, but trying to protect that foot. Um, so still, you know, was able to push it pretty hard. It was four and a half up and four down. Um, so that's definitely not my best, but that was a... That's about half the time that took took you know. me. And I, I timed it so that the snow was at a minimum, so I didn't take snowshoes. And uh, I don't even think I put my microspites on. Kind of avoided all the snow. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I walked up on almost dry end of April, and the snow that you see now came in the last month, so pretty crazy. So when's your, when are you doing May? Uh, towards the end of the month again. I'm just so busy this month and putting it off, um, and, and waiting for the snow to melt again. But on a good day, on average, it's three and a half up and two and a half down. And you run up the incline first. I do. Well, run is relative, but yes, I go up the incline to start it, and I come down. So you down start at sixty-five. It starts at sixty-five, six thousand five hundred yeah, feet, roughly. Sixty-five hundred, seven thousand, somewhere around there. But again, you said most fourteeners are only three thousand feet, so your most fourteeners graze. You're starting at eleven. Yep. Here you're starting at seven. Yeah. So even after you run two thousand feet up an incline, that takes most people at least an hour. You're still not even at the same trailhead elevation as a. 
14. That's crazy. Yeah, it's. I, I tell people that I think Pikes Peak is one of the hardest 14s in the state, and you got to quantify that because it's not technical hard; it's physically demanding hard. And then you, you know, you get to the summit and you still got to come down, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. easy. But then you get down and your legs are just shaking and your body hurts, and it's, it's a nightmare experience for a lot of people. They have no idea what they're getting into, and they're getting down after midnight in the dark with no flashlight. It's, it, it's a mess. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that much gain. I, I forgot it was that much gain. Yeah. It's a very gentle. Yeah. First hike, I mean, the switchbacks are really nice in the beginning, right? And then it like flattens out, mm-hmm. right? You get above yeah. the incline, and then those those miles are just easy to. And they're beautiful. To uh, bar camp. Yep. Is there is a couple still run bar camp? No, uh, they they have not been there for three or four years. Um, oh no, I'm gonna draw a blank. When I did it, there was a couple that did, and they served spaghetti every night and pancakes every morning, and then so it's about seven miles up, as I remember, and a great place to stop. I stopped there like 8 a.m. for coffee, yeah. check the weather yeah, with is. their computer, and then... So anyway, going back. Um, yeah, so Zach Miller and Jonathan Lance are the guys that are caretaking at Bar Camp these days. Um, I think they got another guy that might be new or volunteers with them and whatnot, but they're both uh, mountain runners. Zach Miller is world-class. Um, and, of course, living at Bar Camp and uh, living at that elevation and being able to run around all Pikes Peak and things like that is pretty... How do you, you can't get a car up there, though, right? Is, no. Can you get a four-wheeler up there? Um, so you can do a four-wheeler from the train across, and so that's how they would get their supplies in. Okay. But the train has not been running. They're doing repairs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so it's become a big deal, like getting supplies. They, they uh, I don't know how they're doing it all. They're packing a lot of it up. Um, but And they do still serve people. You can spend the night there and have a meal fixed for you. Uh, of course, there's a cost for it all. But uh, it's a pretty cool thing, and they're good buddies, and so it's always fun to stop in and say hi and See how things are going at Bar Camp. And it's about halfway Correct. up the Bar Camp, about seven miles or so, and Correct. the whole Bar Camp is a Bar Trail is about thirteen ish. Correct. You said. Yep. Just under. But yep. And so what is the what's the the marathon route then that you do? Or um, you've done and then people I, do every year. Yeah, I have actually never run the official marathon. Um, as far as I understand, they start down at the park where the shuttle starts, and they start down there somewhere, and so they run up the streets. Okay. To, to up the, through Manitou. Yep. And then, if I understand correctly, they don't actually literally start up the bar trail. There's a alley shortcut that funnels the crowd up the mountain beside the creek to one of the switchbacks about a mile or a mile and a half up. And then they cut in and they catch that switchback and they just and then they run the trail from there. They don't run the incline. Correct, not the incline at all. There is a there is a a, a race that's kind of new that has people doing something on the incline. I don't even know what that deal is. I think that. The city has held off on official races on the incline until all the repairs were done. But as far as I know, it's open for somebody to say we want to schedule a race these days, but nobody's done it officially yet. So talking, I'm just bouncing around here now. <laughs> I have so many questions to ask you. The incline starts at 65, roughly 7,000, goes up 2,000 feet. Um, I just finished it for my first time, came down to Colorado Springs to meet Warg uh, in the shadow of uh, Pikes Peak here, and I ran the incline two hours earlier. It took me 47 minutes and 30 seconds. What is your time? Compare your time that someone does it 500 times a year. Yeah, nice. Um, well, actually, it was last year I got a personal record of 23 minutes and 18 seconds. So, Jeez. Yeah. Do you stop? No, no, no. No no stopping allowed. Do you change? <laughs> is it the same speed the whole time? It or do you, do you do bursts? Yeah. Well, you understand that the angles change. And so yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. You can yeah. feel your body adjusting to that angle change. Um, when it's flatter, yeah, you pick up speed and you move right along on that steep section. Man, you're you're working hard. You're lifting your legs high and your heart rate is flying. So you definitely are adjusting speed based on angle. 
I, I did I didn't stop until I got to that steep section. I was pretty mm-hmm. proud of myself. And mm-hmm. then steep section, I just did thirty steps. I got mm-hmm. thirty seconds in my head. Thirty steps in my head. Stop. <laughs> thirty steps. Stop. Yeah. 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 Finding the pace that works for you is the most important thing. You know, a lot of people, they take that rest that they never recover from and they stay in there for five or 10 minutes. And then you know how that goes. You try to start from that and your body is like shutting down and cooling off and it's so much harder to get started again. And Is that what you think? My cast be sore or my quads or what, what do you think will um, be sore tomorrow? You know, I think that you'll have some general soreness, but I don't think that you're going to have major soreness when you come down the steps. I can guarantee you that two days later you won't be walking very well. That's exactly what the gentleman yep. – it was the second time doing it. He said he went down the incline last time and he couldn't walk for like a week, he yep. said. So he said he's definitely just going down the trail. Exactly. It's, it's, it's muscles that you never use. Uh, and and it, and also the faster you come down the incline the steps is proportional to how long it's going to be before you can walk again. So it's definitely <laughs> something to build up to and take it slow on that. Um, there's all sorts of people out there. Um, I, I talk to people that take two hours to get up like uh, get up the incline and and they do it and it's probably not the smartest place to start getting back in shape but um they they do it um and i have friends that are in fact ally mack um she has the women's record uh 20 minutes and five seconds it's 20 or four seconds yeah i was looking yeah. at that wikipedia yeah, yeah. So, uh, McLaughlin, right? Yeah. Uh, on wikipedia yeah, yeah yeah so she has 20 just over 20 and then the male record is just sub 18 yeah, I think that's correct. Man, I, I get it all mixed up. 1748 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, forgetting his name. Brown? Black? What's his last His last name is a color. White? Joseph Gray. 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 Well, you're right. It was a color. <laughs> 1745 in September 2015. Yeah, so I was there in uh, 2015 when Joseph Gray got that record. I was coming down when he was coming up, and... And were people that was, was he trying to set the record? Were people there like timing and watching? So he, he says that he went that day feeling good and gonna try to push it real hard and see what happened. Um, but no, people were not there. But he, he had it on Strava, so it's Strava official. Um, and I tell What's you that? what, I don't know. What Strava is a biking and, and running. Oh, app. that app. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it uses your GPS and it clocks you, and so like you know, it's probably not a hundred percent accurate, but everybody accepts it as is as great as good. I was there. I was on the steep section when he was coming up. I was coming down. And I know what like good times look like, and he was for all practical purposes he was running on that steep section. <sighs> and I saw and the steep that. section. This is like I bear, I, I use yes. my hands like you bear yes. crawl up that steep section. Yes. And I was like, hoorah, buddy, go you go. And I get down and I get on social media later that day and I'm like, what? That was that guy that I passed when he was going up and I was going down. So it I, it was impressive. Like people say, do you run the incline? Like there's like three or four people that run the incline. Like. Outside of that, there's sections that you can run, and then on the rest of it, you can go fast. Yeah. But, like, running the incline is, like, kind of a joke. Like, good way to give yourself a heart attack. There's a wide variety of people. You can tell there's a lot of tourists that yeah, did absolutely. it because they're, they're in Colorado and they do, want to do the incline. Then you could tell the military guys mm-hmm. that were, you know, were well-built, well-built, and they were jogging and then jogging down the rest mm-hmm. of the um, – and then you had just some regular, like, couples. It was like that. That was, like, three different, like, tourists – Couple couples and then military military men like by themselves. Yeah, especially that time of day that you went in the afternoon. If you hit morning, then you get all the hardcore regulars. Uh, older crowd or what? Most of them older, but not all. Um, but like the five six a.m. crowd, like <laughs> they're there every every day in the dark. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Do they pay before dark? Do they still have to pay at 3 a.m.? So it's kind of a sketchy thing. Like, official rules are, like, it opens at 6. Like, you're not supposed to be Oh, that's right. Yeah, six to, 6 to 6 or 6 to 10 or when, when's the clear? Uh, in summertime, it's 6 to 9, I believe. Okay. Um, and so sometimes in the summer, they'll set a cop there, and he'll shine his light on you and kind of hassle you a little bit. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But the big deal was, honestly, the military guys, they would get over there at 5 in the morning, and they would make a lot of noise, and the people that live there would be Oh, upset. you're right, because there's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, I, it's understandable, and it is what it is. There's just a lot of people, and trying to keep everybody happy, so, yeah. So, uh, what is an inclinathon? Yeah, the inclinathon. So, uh, ah, when did that start? 2014, I want to say, or 13, somewhere back in there. What well, says the diabetic Greg Cummings, um, 2011, was the first person to hike it more than 500 times in one year. Okay, so this is different. So... Back okay. in 2000, let's talk about that first, actually. Yeah, yeah. 2011, Greg Cummins had the idea just to do a lot of, he, he loves mountains, he's done some of the Seven Summits, um, he got diabetes, and that kind of affected a lot of things, and uh, so he kind of turned to the incline, and he just had this idea that he was going to do a lot of incline laps in, in one year, and just kind of see where it goes, <laughs> and I think on that year, he got 600 and some, 610 or something like that. And it, you know, it wasn't necessarily a 500 thing. It was just like let's do a lot and see what happens. In a calendar year, was there, was there, did he pick a point? Did he pick um, like April, 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 or was it calendar year? It, do you know? It's always been 12 consecutive months. Okay, that's the rule. Okay, that's okay. That, that's the the little rule. 12 consecutive months. Okay. Start start whenever you want. So after that happened, like the idea of like a 500 club, like wow, oh, that's a big thing. It kind of like this idea took off, and uh, a couple people started kind of pursuing that goal. One of them being Roger, Roger Austin, um, Roger. Um, He's a he's a motivated guy, and so he got after it, and and he got his 500, and he decided that he wanted to beat Greg's record, and so he pushed on past 500, past 600, and he finished the year with 719, which was kind of special because that's our area code, and so ah, a fun little fact there, which is 1.45 million vertical feet. Nice, right? <laughs> so. Greg and Roger, it's like the great sports competitions in history. Like they started just spurring each other on to say, "Hey, if you can do that, I can do this too." Um, so there were other guys that started doing this 500 laps in a year thing, and Joe uh, Joseph Monger was one of the guys. And so back, that was back in the day when I was doing the incline, maybe a couple times a week. You know, I go over there a couple times a week and do one lap at a time. And I'm seeing every time I go, I'm seeing these guys. And so finally I start asking questions like, what's the deal? How come I see you here all the time? And I start hearing these stories about 500 laps and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and so it starts planting a seed in my head like, wow, these guys seem kind of normal. Like, I wonder if I could, like, do something like that. And so these thoughts are going through my mind as I'm hearing these stories. So Greg comes back after Roger beats his record. And Greg decides that he's going to do another big, big year. And he's going to raise money for children's diabetes uh, awareness. And... He's going to beat Roger's record. So he comes back and he rocks out 1,400 and some laps. Doubles it. Just like crazy. And that was the year they started the repairs. And so that, that record was minus like almost two months of the year. It says, uh, Wikipedia says 330 consecutive days. Okay. He got yeah. 1,400 times yep. on the incline. So, uh, and, and his goal that year, man, he has some kind of crazy goal. He wanted to gain enough elevation to get to the International Space Station or something like that. And I think that's what he did. I, I don't remember the numbers. You can check it out. It's kind of but is it, is it really a world record in vertical feet hiked? I think... 2.9 million feet hiked? I, got, I can't remember. That's just a, yeah. the, the, the source there is the Gazette. It, it well could be. There's, there are other records out there. Um, but it well could be the record. Well, check this out, though. Roger decided that he could beat that. 
so Roger came back in 2015, and that was the year Wait, that some, I... Someone surpassed 1,400? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was the year that I decided to go for 500. Roger was beat, working on beating Wait, I, I, I got first. 1,400 divided by how many days in the year? 365. <laughs> so that's at least 3.8 times a day. I was there. I remember the month of May that year, or, or the year that he got his 1,400. The month of May, he did six laps a day for the entire month of May. <laughs> and I, it just blew my mind. Like, how is this possible? So, yeah, again, that was a part of motivating me to say, hey, do I have what it takes? Could I do this? So 2015, I'm working on my 500. Roger's working on beating Greg. Um, Roger ends the year with 1,719 laps. Again, the year ago. Just, just crazy. Oh, like again, again, 1719. 719. Seven, yeah. An extra 1,000. So exactly. 1719. So it was a good year, and I got my 500 in, so that was quite the experience for me. And, of course, the process of doing so many laps, like, you know, if you do the math, you got to get 10 a week to get 500 a year. Um, oh, that's okay, yeah. So then you start working through, like, how do I want to get those 10 a week? And I wasn't the guy that wanted to drive over there every day. Like, it's a lot of commitment to drive over there, and the parking is an issue and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, I want to come over there. Let's make it three days a week and figure out how to get my 10 laps in three trips. And so I would do a three and a three and a four minimum every week to get my 10 laps in a, each week but you know you go on vacation for one week and now you're now you're 10 laps behind okay so yeah next week you got a double you gotta pull in 20 you know are you doing the, like week of christmas and the week of new year's no, and the, the, I'm, I'm the bad bad winters like the... oh yeah winter time doesn't stop you okay you're up there knocking them out is there snow it. on it there's snow on it in fact greg this past uh early winter of, of this year he would spend one day he told me he spent like four hours just shoveling snow so that he could have easier access to the rest of his laps. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's hardcore. Hard, shoveling the incline so that you can get some more laps on it. Um, but yeah, my my year of big numbers just strengthened me to the point that like doing one lap was kind of like, don't even bother to go over there and do one lap. If you're going to go, do at least three laps uh, and get a good workout in. So yeah, the numbers started going up like crazy. And so it was that year that I first heard about the incline a thon. Um, that was 13 laps back to back, uh, up and down would be two miles. And so roughly 13 laps is roughly a marathon in distance. So it's a marathon distance up Correct. the incline. Correct. Okay. Yep. So I started hearing about that wow. and I started going, wow, this is crazy. So Brandon Stepanovich was the guy that had that idea originally. And, uh, they basically organized, I mean, a very unofficial, but they organized an event for anybody that wanted to participate that they were going to pick a day and they were going to do this thing. Well, there's a couple of twins up there, Ed and Fred. And, um, I always get them mixed up. Let me think about this for a second. Um, Ed is just, if I have this correct, man, I'm forg I'm, forgive me if I've got this backwards, but Ed is a little bit faster than Fred. <laughs> okay. And so on the day, like a week before, Ed realized that he, he was busy or something on the event day, and so he's like, I'm just going to go do it now and just have the experience. So Ed went, and, and he was the first one, did the inclinathon uh, on a Saturday and uh, rocked it out and, and didn't plan very well, um, was eating leftover pizza, got to the top, I think, around lap 10, was so tired he took a 45-minute nap at the top. Um, anyway, he finished that thing in, I think, right around 13 hours. And so then the next weekend, I don't even know how many guys officially tried, like 10 of them tried in like four or five, no, four, three or four actually finished. Um, Brandon finished and Fred finished, and Greg finished, but you know, with the diabetes, it took Greg like 21 or 22 hours. Um, it was a brutal, brutal thing. His, his blood sugar just kept all getting yeah. all, all goofed up. 
and, and one of the guys finished it that first time too. Since then, it's become a just do it on your own, report your times, you know, very very laid back about the whole thing. Uh, but that that first event, Brandon set a record of 11 hours and 43 minutes. 46. 46, right around there. So um, that was kind of the bar, and um, and so I started hearing about this incline. I thought and I started wondering like, wow, I I can do 500 in a year. Could I could I do this too? So I started pushing myself, you know, four <laughs> laps in a day, and five laps in a day, and six laps in a day. And some days were better than under others. I remember my first time I did eight was miserable. Like, I, I, it was horrible. And then a few weeks later, I came back and did eight, and it was, like, easy. You just, like, it, there's just give and take to this whole thing. So it was May of that year, 2015, um, and my 500 numbers were on track, and things were going good, and I was feeling good. Um, and it was a perfect day, and I, and I told myself, I'm going to try this Inclinathon thing. Like, I'm going to take all the gear that I need. And, and that was back in the day when I was still pretty ignorant about nutrition and and ultra marathon distance type stuff, or even marathon on the incline. All right, when did, you did Nolan's the first time in... Yeah, so I finished it in 2017, so the first time I tried it was 2016? Yeah. Yeah, so you did the incline-a-thon before yes, you did Nolan's. Okay. I did. So it was a big... You know, all these were steps in, in, in physical endurance, but it wasn't until... Uh, well into the Nolan's experience that I started learning about nutrition and, and how that affects everything. And basically what I mean by that is don't don't try to survive on gels and goo. That's uh, just not a good idea. You need something different than those quick-release sugars. Most people know that, but like ultra-marathon running was just not my world. Um, and so it was a learning experience for me. So I went with all the intention of trying to do uh, an incline-a-thon. But at the back of my head, I had this little escape clause, like, if things are not going well, I'm going to stop at 12, because I think that I can push, and I think I can get a record, and and I don't want to do it, like, I, I just want to give myself an escape clause. So the whole time I'm doing it, I've got this back of my mind, like, I'm, I'm not really committed, we'll just see how it goes, but I'm still pushing myself hard, and Roger was out there that day, doing his five or six or seven laps <laughs> that, that day, whatever he was doing, and so we're passing each other nonstop and saying hi and encouraging <laughs> each other, and uh, and I'm rocking it. I'm feeling good. It's a good day, and and that was like that year. I I I had dialed in. I could do four laps back to back, under thirty minute thirty minute ascent time for each one. Whew. And what's your descent time then? Um, well, that year I set the descent record for a nine oh nine descent record. <laughs> So, like, I, I was pulling wow. in laps under 40 minutes. I, I was pulling in laps under 36 minutes on, on a regular basis. <laughs> um, in fact, that year, I got the lap record as well, which still stands. That's craziness. Four years later, it still stands. My lap record is 34 minutes and 30-some seconds. Oh, laps. I guess I've start to bottom. Yeah. And then back, back to the start. Yeah. Bottom top to bottom. 34, uh, okay. 30 or something like that. So, like, I was, I was rocking. I was in good shape. I was feeling good. I had my nutrition... All down at the bottom, and, and I had water bottles scattered up and down the incline that I was taking drinks from here and there. Also, no backpack. You have uh, all your no, stuff. No, you don't carry anything. Too weight just slows you down, so okay. you're not carrying anything. Trekking pole on the way down? No. Oh, okay. No, because you're, you're, you're running. Those trekking poles, when you're coming down at 10, 11 minutes, like those trekking poles are the, the recipe for disaster. So I was rocking that thing out, and my time was good. My numbers were looking good. I was feeling good. I, uh, I kept telling myself, finish lap 12 and see where you're at. So I finished lap 12, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can set a record. I've got it, so I'm going to finish this thing. So I, I finished 13 laps in 10 hours and 34 minutes, um, which <laughs> was pretty astronomical. You know, that, that was under an hour faster than Brandon's time. And Brandon is Brandon is a world-class guy as well. Like, Brandon is amazing. And as I process that, I'm like, I, I know why 
I got such a fast record. I mean, one, I was in good shape, clearly. But two, I took risks on the downhill. Because our uphill times, if you if you compare our uphill times, like they're 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 you just get, like you, you lose. But downhill, I just you gain. Uh-huh. I just gained so much time because I took risks. Like if you fall, you're gonna get hurt. Tumble. Yeah. Um, people do, right? There's do. all those signs around there. It says they you know. do. Uh, I mean, everybody that's done multiple laps um, and speed laps, like you fall and you get hurt, and um, and there's a risk of hurting somebody else too, which is not cool. And so it's it's definitely something to you know be on your game and pay so attention. What is the is the te- what's the word for it? not technique um, etiquette to go down the trail? Yeah, man. This is a this is a whole conflict area the the sign at the bottom just adds to the confusion let me think about this the sign says recommended uphill traffic only okay so now you got the word recommended and you've got the word only and, and, and <laughs> you want to talk about fights like clearly from a grammar perspective it's recommended because it says recommended yeah, so yeah. they're recommending don't come down this come down the trail but the word only like to people that don't like you coming down the trail they say hey or down the steps they say hey it, it says only only oh, so you get yelled at frequently or oh yeah i mean people get mad at you and they shake their fists and, and they you know all kinds of bad things and it's not worth a conversation to try to explain it because like what i mean you're not there at the sign, and they don't really care. They're just mad at you, and, <laughs> and and they get scared. And this is advice for people: like when you're going up the incline, stop looking at your feet and look up. Look where you're going. And people don't. They look down at their feet for each step. And when somebody comes blowing by, and this happens all the, I mean, I'm running down that incline. I'm going fast. And they're not looking. And they're not looking. And of course, I see them, and so I'm avoiding them. But they don't know that. And when I blow by them, they jump and they scream. And uh, then they're they, then they're upset. And I'm like, me. you know, <laughs> sorry, but like I didn't hit you, and I saw you. So it's a it's a point of contention. What is the etiquette if you're if you're resting? Do you want to get off the try to get absolutely, off there? Or absolutely. If you're just taking, slide off the off the steps. Slide off the steps or slide to the very edge. You know, okay. The so no left or right or there's yeah. no like there's no etiquette on that. Not, in general, it's slide to the right. Like slide to the right. Just what about on the way down the trail? Because people sprint down that bar trail. If people are passing you, do you pass left or pass right? Is there an etiquette there? Um. Ha, that's a tough one. It, it really depends upon what the trail conditions are. And, oh man, how do I explain this one? You're novice. Okay, so when you're running down, remember that section when the fence is on your left and the berm is on the right? So the novice, when they hear you behind them, they want to move to the right because that's what you always do. No, oh. against the berm. Because oh, okay. it's that section where the fence is on your, you know, you're curving backwards and so... Okay. The the so they want to step to the right because that's what you do in traffic, right? You move to the right. But the right is that berm, so they step on that berm and their feet slide out from under them, and they fall and they slide back down the path. Uh, so the much easier thing, if you're experienced, is just you hear somebody just step up against that fence. It is so easy for me to come behind you and plant a foot on that berm and pass you and run around you. Like that's easy. But to step on a berm and stop, your feet slide out. So like, how do you explain etiquette? I mean, the biggest thing is. Like for a runner, just shouting out runner, and so that people are aware that you're coming. And the easiest thing for a non-runner is just to stop, just stop, and and the runner will yeah. blow by you. And That's what I noticed. It, that was the easiest thing with people, and people were very friendly too. Yes. They're like, oh, oh, so I'm sorry, and I was like, hey, thanks, thanks. Yeah. yeah. On the left, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah, that trail is so nice to jog. I didn't, I didn't really jog very many trails, but that was. It's a blast, and it keeps you on your game, right? You there's there's little rocks all over the place, so you've got to be focused. You got to be. That's why the, the the time passes so easy. It like does. Four, four miles, but right. your brain's like You're engaged. Focused. Yeah, yeah, I love activities that keep your brain engaged, and so that's the biggest thing about etiquette and you know being wise on the incline or the trail. Just awareness. Just keep your eyes around you. Look around you. Be aware of what's coming and going, because people that are coming down, they come down fast, and you're going up slow, and so. 
it's kind of shocking. I didn't realize there was an incline when I did the Manitou, the whole 26. Okay. Yep. And so I was so exhausted. My feet, about, about, I don't know, 15, 16 miles in, my feet just started to ache. Yeah, of course. And then so I got like five more miles left, and I'm like dying. I'm craving my Gatorade in my car, and my feet are pounding. And these people are just flying by. And I have no idea where they're coming from because I didn't know the incline and, and that, that cut off from the incline of the bar trail. Sure, sure. I'm like, where are they coming from? And so I just stewed. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my trekking pole in the guy's feet, the next guy that runs by me. Because I was just like so exhausted. I can see what they did. They went right exactly. the incline and then they jogged, nice, easy jog down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the Greg and Roger yeah, yeah. Uh, competition. So Greg is out there this year working on beating Roger's record. In 2019, this year. This Correct, this year. And I don't, I, I have not talked to him in a while, so I don't know what his current stats are. But uh, for the first three months of the year, he, he'd rocked out at least six a day, um, every day. But he has a job, right? He he retired last year. Oh, okay. Be, so, but before this, he yes. has he goes to job for eight hours a day still. Before this, all these guys have had have had jobs. They're not, okay. I, like, Everybody but one person, I think, had a full-time job when they pulled the 500, and of course, Greg and Roger. They're not there. like teachers where they're off like three no, months of the year either. No, they're 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 full. They just make this the only other thing they do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Greg's on track to set another record, which is just super cool. Um, we'll see how the whole thing turns out. But uh, and did he start? What's the what's the calendar? 12th consecutive day start. Do you know? He actually started like the 12th or the 16th of January of this of this year. Also, oh, it's pretty much calendar. Yeah, pretty much on the calendar year, and. Uh, he was on Strava. I don't know if he's still keeping track of his record on Strava or not, but he was on Strava for a while. So. Are you on Strava too, then? People can follow you? Yeah. yeah. Do you have a name? Is that how you people follow, you follow someone like, a, like Instagram or what? what's your... It is. Um, on Strava, I've got to check because I forget who I am. Um, I think I'm Wade54. Wade54 on Strava. Actually, you probably can find me with my name as well, Wade Gardner. So, so, so when I introduce you, I should say also... Finished the 14ers twice. Oh, no yeah. one's 14er finisher and that, uh, that has the fastest uh, inclinathon <laughs> at the Manitou Incline. Do you know when you finished? What what day that was? Um, I do. I don't know off the top of my head. I have a trip report up on 14ers.com that, that tells the story. It was May 16th. That sounds right. You know there what today is. is? What? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> That's crazy. It's May 16th. Yeah, four, so four years ago, you set the record. That's super cool. That's pretty coincidence. Super cool, and that re- I mean craziness. That record still still holding. Not only let that record and the lap record are still holding. Um, I, I expect them to be beaten when somebody re- wakes up to the fact that there's actually a lap record on the incline. Because clearly, there's people that do it. Yeah, I didn't see that on Wikipedia. Faster than me up, um, and the down record has been beaten within the last year. It's been beaten twice. So it went from 9:09 to about 8:30 to around 7:37 or something like that. So I I am in no need of trying to beat that down record because a 730 is insane and do you recommend people wear their running shoes trail runners or like their high higher better ankle support like 14er boots uh i definitely recommend trail runners um there's no need for hiking boots on there people wear them there, there's no need it's extra weight and there's literally no need for them at all because that trails I, I wore my running shoes and i just yeah yep yeah, so lots of good times, lots of good memories up there. Um, made a lot of friends, you know. It's a, it's a little community that does it together. In fact, uh, last year, um, Jordan, first girl ever, joined the four, uh, the 500 club. So uh, I think it has 11, 10 or 11 members now and one female. 12, it says on at least Wikipedia okay. page. Okay. First female is Jordan, yeah. Yep. And 
Um, if I remember correctly, man, there's 11 or 12 people that have done the Inclinathon as well, and no female has finished the Inclinathon yet. So is there, is there a time record? Is there a time restriction on the Inclinathon? Like, like Nolan's has 60 hours. There's if it really, took you three days to do it, as long as you yeah. did 13 straight? <laughs> there's really not. The only rule is, like, you can't leave and then come back. You can't leave. Right. But if you just camp for a night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like Ed took his 45-minute nap that first time, so... Um, that's not camping for eight hours. That's like, not that's But I'd be like the lazy, the lazy inclinathon. And Stifler goes up there and does three, and then camps for a night, and then does three, and camps for a night. <laughs> yeah. You're not even... Are you allowed to camp on board on the board trail? Not down at the base. Uh, up the trail you are. Anywhere up the trail, yeah. as long yeah. as you get up... Okay. Yeah, National Forest, so yeah, you're okay. good. Um, so Brandon Sponowicz, I'm going to brag about him. He's such a rock star. He, uh, after doing the Inclinathon the first time, he started brainstorming other ideas, and he came up with the idea for 24 hours of the incline. So he decided to see how many laps he could do in a 24-hour period. Um, <laughs> and that story's out there somewhere. You can Google it and find it. 22 was his answer. He pulled in 22 laps on the incline within a 24-hour period. Did he sleep? I don't think oh, he did. That's 22 times, roughly 2,000 feet. <laughs> 20 weights, right? 22 times 2,000, yeah, that's what, 44,000? That's a lot of gain. Jeez. That's a lot of gain. That's, that's like a Nolan's. That's pretty close to probably the Nolan's. It is. It is. 22 And he's on Nolan's two. as well, so he's, he's that kind of rock star. That's 45. That's basically, that's basically the Nolan's elevation gain, 44,000. I, I had no desire to, to pull that in. Um, you know, that kind of damage on your ankles, wear and tear, like... I, that that's a lot. So I've never pursued that record. I think I'm gonna let Brandon hang on to that one. Jeez. <laughs> so you've an inclinathon. You're the 500 club. Um, most people are just excited just to get to the top of it once, right? I mean, absolutely. It, it's an accomplishment. It really is. I take yeah. the selfies there, looking down, like yep. from the. Yep. And and the biggest lesson to remember about all this is just perspective. Like wherever you as an individual are at is great. Like challenge yourself. Like don't compare yourself to me or to. Brandon or, or any of these other rock stars out there, wherever you're at, that's a good challenge. That's a baseline, right? And now you just push yourself to, to improve on that time and see where you can take it. Because the reality is you can go faster. You just have to practice and learn and build those muscles up and, and amazing things happen. So, yeah, it's a good time. So what what's a good, like under 40, if a regular average athlete? So I, the gentleman I was talking to, was that was his goal. He said that's a pretty decent goal for the average athlete. Yeah. Um, I would go down lower than that. I would say under 35 is pretty cool. Like, like under 30, I've heard – now, this was three or four years ago that I heard this. I've heard that if you take all the statistics off of Strava and the other apps that track this stuff, that the top 10% are under 30 minutes. Okay. So wow. that, that's kind that's of an elite, okay. an elite group right there. That's pretty cool. So I wonder yeah. what the percentile – I wonder what, what percent is under 40 then. Yeah. I'm, 30 some, or – I'm sure somebody has those statistics huh, out there somewhere. I'll, I'll take a look. At, I'll look yeah. that up. Yep. But definitely, I mean, if you get under 30, it's it's an accomplishment. It really is. It's it's. I have lots of friends that are like at that 32-minute mark, and just getting under 30 is a big deal. Do you ever do the other side, Craig's side? I have. I mean, sometimes. I've done Pike Speaks many times, so I have. What? How many months do you have in a row right now? Uh, man, I'm drawing a blank. 18 or 19. I think last month was 19, if I remember correctly. And in January, February, are you, taking, are you snowshoeing? I took snowshoes once this year and used them a little bit. Most of the time, I just know where the trail is well enough, and I know where the snow falls well enough that I can either post over a little bit. And again, you know, I'm picking my day during the month for the optimal weather conditions. So mostly, I'm not hassling with snowshoes because, you know, it's such a long trail, and carrying snowshoes for that distance, it's like, it's a big extra burden for the whole thing. So as much as possible, 
no snowshoes. But yeah, the backside, it's a fun trail. There's less people on it. However, when I say less, these days there's still a lot. Like there's just a lot of people out on 14ers, so there's a lot of people out there. But since I'm, you know, my goal is to do Pikes Peak, and honestly, it's faster, me, faster for me to do the front side as opposed to doing all the driving to get around to the backside. Oh, so how do you get to, so it takes a while to get to Craig's? It does. To the campground, does. to the Craig's campground yeah. trailhead? Yeah, it's drive back there. And not only, I mean, not only is the distance there, but once you get to those dirt roads, it's it's slow going up those dirt roads. And and then parking's an issue if there's a lot of people that day and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. But you're only gaining, yeah, right about 3,000 feet, well, 4,000 feet, 10, because Craig's starts at 10, 1. Wow, I would not have guessed it was that high. So that's 4,000 feet of gain compared yes, to at least... Does it, does it say the mileage? It's still a long hike. It's still, what, seven, eight, one way? So the East Slopes is a classic. That's that's Manitou. Trailhead starts at 67. Seven, 7,400 feet. So like at least that's more than two 14ers. Yeah, absolutely. This is Northwest Slopes, and it's from Craig's, Craig's Trailhead. Class 2, 4,000 feet of gain. Um, what's the mileage? 12.8. Oh, so round trip. Wow. So, yeah. 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 So six and a half. So that's not. I mean, that's not bad at all. Relatively. That's like half the distance, half the elevation. Yeah. Right. You're still. You're still more than a normal 14er. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's it's still a big deal. But compare compare Craig's to uh, the bar bar trail. Mm, different experience. You know, um, on the Craig's, you're above tree line for a long time. Just the way it falls. Like you hike above tree line for a long time, and so you get a lot of. There's not, you know, above tree line, there's not switchbacks. It's, and, and that tells you doing a much slower elevation gain. Because eventually, you're literally paralleling the highway for a long time. That's what's a negative, too, right? right. You actually see a bunch of people Absolutely. driving up the highway. Absolutely. But you come across Lightning Point, which is a cool place, and you, you definitely see different scenery. So it's it's a worthy hike, absolutely. But the Pikes Peak experience is up the front side. That's like, that's the experience for sure. That's, that's the first one I've ever done solo. It was kind nice. of like a rite of passage. I was a year into doing 14 years, and mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. put face paint on, like, yeah. like war paint, and then did it. Nice. Um, took an ice axe just for photos. <laughs> well, I didn't have no idea why I had an ice axe. <laughs> Remember, there's, but there's sections. There's mm-hmm. first four miles is like up the up the switchbacks that mm-hmm. goes to the top of the incline. Next three are kind of nice, real mellow, but mm-hmm. you're still it feels like forever away. Mm-hmm. You get to bark. I remember getting to bar camp about seven miles, about eight o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. Everyone must feed those chipmunks because those chipmunks yeah, are just right. like little crop your leg. <laughs> yep. They're like chubby chipmunks. They're yes, overfed they are. and they have like no fear. Yes, they, they do a lot of pancakes for breakfast and uh, leftover pancakes often go to the chipmunks. Even so. on the incline though, they, everyone must feed, oh. those horse must feed those. People feed them, but then food falls out of people's packs all the time. So those those chipmunks are, are fat and tame and, <laughs> and digging holes in the incline steps too. So it's kind of a... What do you do for water filtration when you're doing... You, I take the Sawyer, the Sawyer Mini with the built-in filter. So just find a creek, fill up, and filter it as I go. I, I carry less than a quart of water at any given any point. time. Really? Yeah. Because there's not a lot of, like, when do you get above the A-frame, there's no water, is there? No, 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 but that's only three miles to the top, right? So yeah. Fill up with the, uh, no Name Creek, uh, just above the incline, and Bar Camp, and the A-frame, and then there's water at the top. So, like, okay, so there's a good three, four spots. Yeah. I, I, I filled up twice. I carry a lot more water than you. Two now jeans, probably, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, water, up. water weight is, is it's heavy. Like it's it's slowing you down for sure. Yeah, I stare pin water bar camp both ways. Mm-hmm. And then has a drink at the, at the top and a donut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. There's something surreal about coming up with it. What's the last section of the steps? There's a there's the, a sign. Yeah, the 16 golden steps. Golden steps. Which that's I'm not it. sure anybody knows what they mean because I, there are certainly not 16 steps there. So whatever. 
<laughs> I actually, I'm really curious. I've never dug into it, but I'd like to know the history on the 16 golden steps because it does not make sense from a, a numbers perspective. Isn't there like a bottomless something pit or something yeah, the like near the pit? Like, and this is hilarious. When I was a kid, I did Pikes Peak. And I saw that sign, and I'm like, you know, I'm envisioning... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of great signs, and they're like yeah. metal, like metal carved, yeah, like really beautiful, right? great photo opportunities. Right, I'm envisioning this this hole that goes straight down that you drop a, drop a rock into and you never hear it down, right? <laughs> it is not that at all. It's, it's, what do I even call it? A canyon? Like, it's not even a canyon. It's just like you come around the side of Pikes Peak, and it opens up, and then it... it it's not a bottomless pit at all. Like it's highly disappointing from the name, but there is a route that you can do that side and come in on the backside, and not even on the backside. You come in on the northwest side. North, is that still northeast, class northeast. two, class one? Uh, it would get into class three. You're you're doing a little scram scrambling uh, because the trail ends at the quote unquote bottomless pit, and from there you would scramble straight up. And uh, okay, yeah, it looks like uh, summit from there. What's the Devil's Playground trailhead? You ever do that side? Um, so, the Crags Trail goes right through Devil's Playground. Okay. Um, that's it's that Lightning Point is right there. It's that place where the light there's iron ore in the rocks and the lightning is attracted to it, to it. So they call it Devil's Playground. Yeah. And is that run by the Cog Railroad? You don't actually see the Cog Railroad really at all on, the, on bar, like very beginning. Yeah. No. Um, none of these trails go by the Cog. The Cog is south of everything. And so from Bar Camp to the Cog is, I don't even know, half mile or a mile. Um, and then it, when it hits the final ridge, it's definitely south of the summit, and it comes up that ridge to the peak. And so, like, you don't see the Cog. It's a fun route. I've come down the tracks, especially now that it's closed. You've run down the, the whole way down the tracks? Yeah, yeah. And is it just as steep as the incline or steeper? No, 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 no. Oh, it's actually no. probably then. Yeah, it's, it's not steep. You know, it's not a cable-type system, yeah. Um, and so it's not steep at all. It's it's driving under its own power and well, just a good good set of railroad tracks. It, there is a grade, but it's not a bad grade at all. I heard about a new. Route. Do people frown upon that though, like the way, like running down the Cog Railroad and yeah, cutting course, switchbacks uh, and running. <laughs> of course, in fact, I've got a hilarious story. There was one year I had to cut across, but I, I came in at the 16 Golden Steps. But uh, and that's a bunch of little switch switchbacks in there. But you know they're just dumb switchbacks. They're switchbacks on rock. They're not switchbacks on dirt, right? Oh, so you're not destroying any, like, tundra yeah. or... like, when you're walking across the rocks, you're not destroying any tundra. You're, you're just, like, whatever. And so I was cutting the switchbacks on rock, like, whatever. And this lady is coming down. She looks at me. She's close by because I'm near the switchback. She looks at me and she says, literally, she says to me, does it count if you don't stay on the trail? <laughs> and I, 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 like, I thought about that. And I, I was like, I wish I had been fast enough to say, man, those poor guys that summited first, like, it just didn't count. There was no trail. Like, it's just a story. So everybody's got a different perspective, right? They just do. And I'm like, I don't have enough time to be worried about everybody's perspective. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, mountain goats walk across this terrain all the time. Like, I think it's going to be okay if I step in one place and never go back there again. <laughs> so anyway, I've done a lot of different routes up that thing. There's still more that I want to explore um, and experiment with. But, uh, yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun up there. Do you eat a donut every time you go up there or not? I don't. I don't carry money with me. Oh, really? There's been times that I've begged for a donut and gotten one, but... Uh, so you're like the squirrels, or I, you're I, like the, the, the chipmunks. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go so light. I mean, carrying a dollar shirt certainly wouldn't uh, weigh me down very much, but I forget about it. And So have you dri you've driven, I'm assuming, 
and, yeah, yeah. and you've yeah. done the cog railroad and you've run it up a zillion times. I have never done the cog railroad. You never done the cog railroad? Have you done it on your fa- on your hands? Because people like there's records of people like who are handicapped who have no legs I, who have it's crazy, right? Have made up Pike's Peak on like on their fing- on their like yeah on their knuckles. That's insane. I've uh, taken my unicycle off the trail. Um, uh, the bar I, trail? Yeah, I probably rode, <laughs> the whole way. I, I took it to the top. I've got a picture of me at the top with the unicycle. Um, I probably rode about thirty five percent going up. Um, and I probably wrote it for about 70% coming down. <laughs> so, is there a record for the whole way up? Um, I, there, are people, there are people that have ridden the whole thing. You know, those are the guys. I, I can't. I'm not good at bouncing on the unicycle. And that's what they do. They bounce from rock to rock to rock to rock to rock. So uh, they, 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 they can get up this whole thing. Um, I'm not that good um, <laughs> to ride the whole thing. But, yeah, no. And then tourists are taking pictures of you then when you, if you darn uh, unicycle yeah, off the top of the summit? Because yeah. there, there's a zillion tourists up there, yeah. like, eating donuts and, like, who have driven up or rode the, rode the Cog Railroad. It's pretty, unicycle is actually a pretty fun thing because people just think it's pretty special, so. Yeah, but the, you're you're suffering on the incline, and a gentleman told me the last time he was there, he, he watched a woman, yeah, I don't know, like basically knuckle, like basically do dips all the way up the incline, and he was just like, well, that, that's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna ask you a standard question. We always ask three words to describe either Pikes Peak or your experience living on Pikes Peak or doing the incline or setting the inclinathon record. Hmm. What three yeah. words? What, what, what three words would you use to? Uh, I've heard a good one. One of the best ones I've heard was was redline. Mm. One of the articles I read about the incline was basically redline. That's I mean you redlined the whole time. Yeah. Like that's the best way to describe the incline. I got three good words. These are some of my favorite words. Do hard things. Um, yeah, the incline's hard. It, it, it is hard. Like like there's no way to get around that. But like it's something that you can do, and it's something that when you've done it, you know you you will know that you've done something hard, and you will know that you've accomplished something. Uh, and you'll be glad for it. It's you know those Saturdays that you spend all day watching Netflix, and when the day's done, you're just like you feel like crap, right? Uh, you never look yeah. back and think, man, that was cool. Like you always look back and say, what a waste. You do go do the incline, and you're gonna know that it was hard, and you're gonna hurt the next day, and and you're gonna know that you accomplished something, and you're gonna feel pretty good about it. So yeah, go do hard things. All right, we'll end the podcast on that note. Do hard things. Thanks for listening. Yeah.